Well, normally I would start with, uh, welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. Take your Bibles, but thank you. Um, thank you for uh, the, uh, the gift to the, from the board and uh, the staff. I was in Cuba this week doing missions work, and that's what my staff was doing. Pray for me, will you? The Bible says in the book of Exodus that Moses leaned on his staff and he died. And so just, just pray for me. Just pray for me. But in all seriousness, thank you. Thank you for that. And I do love cotton candy. I mean, it doesn't matter, fair, baseball game. They have it at the movies now. That's why I go to the movies. They have cotton candy. I love cotton candy. So if you don't like yours, I'll, I'll eat it and uh, take care of it and all that kind of stuff. But seriously, thank you. It, it's an honor and a privilege to pastor uh, here at Life Church uh, for Tammy and I and for our family. Uh, we have been thoroughly blessed. Uh, and uh, just thank God for, for all of his blessings and, to, and for you. And to see you and to be a part of that. And so just want to say thank you so much. Thank you so much. And for the cards, I love cards. Uh, and read them. Uh, keep them. And uh, you have no idea what the encouragement is uh, to a pastor. Just to hear uh, an encouragement from someone that's sitting there. Uh, that's a part of a local church. And just want to say thank you for that in advance. For your kindness and, and uh, your, your kind words in advance. Um, this weekend... I'm going to jump right into, as Ryan said, there's no easy way of just doing that. Uh, I'm going to jump right into the weekend message, uh, and uh, it's part two of this two-part series on uh, basically the end of times. Last weekend, we talked about what happens, what are the signs of the times? How do we know that the signs are, uh, you know, uh, that the end of the world is near and, and what happens with all of that? This weekend, I want to talk to you about the sequence of events. Now, let me say this. I'm basically just going to barely scratch the surface. That's the first thing. What I'm talking to you about, you could take multiple uh, collegiate-level courses over the course of hours and semesters uh, to cover this amount of information. So what I want to do is kind of give us a, a timeline. And with giving you a timeline, let me say this too. There's, there are still different opinions of how this sequentially comes together. Uh, Paul the Apostle says... That this side of eternity that we see in part and that we know in part. But on the other, sta- on the other side, uh, we'll understand. Uh, and, and when we see him, we will be like him, the Bible says. We'll understand as he understands and knows. And so I'm going to give you a suggested, basically, sequence of events and timeline of events. Uh, you may differ with some of these theologically. That's fine. We really will know completely once they happen, the way they happen, what they are. Um, but... Um, but I, I, these are also what we believe, and I'm going to give you scripture reference for every single thing I'm saying. So these aren't my ideas or, or, or my thoughts on this. Let me also say this, too, that as we're talking about this, that we're, we're going we're gonna, to, as we're getting into this, I believe that when the end of time happens, when the rapture of the ter- church takes place, that there will be people that will come to their senses, uh, not too late, but, but they will have missed the rapture. And meaning they knew that they were supposed to serve God and they had a gospel witness, but they walked away from it. They rejected it. They, they did their own thing. And when, they, when the rapture of the church takes place, they'll realize what's happened. And in that moment, they'll go to their mother's house or their father's house. Or they'll go to the church and they will find everything they can because there will be no teacher to teach them or there'll be no uh, Christian to help disciple them. Because the church of Jesus Christ will be raptured. I believe there will be audio uh, files, uh, CDs, audio CDs, video, online. Uh, the message that I'm going to be preach, that I'm preaching today is going to be archived on uh, lifechurchwi.com. 
And people will go to websites like that to go, what does it mean? What's about to happen? So let me make this announcement for those people that may be listening to the sound of my voice and the rapture is taking place. Get a Bible that's in a non-digital form. Get a paper Bible because every Bible that is known on the face of the planet will be confiscated within a matter of years. Make sure you listen to the words that I'm going to tell you. I'm going to walk you through the sequence of events. And if you'll follow this through and you'll trust in the Lord, you will make it out, but it will cost you your life. What your mother told you, what the church preached to you is true, and you are beginning to see that as a reality. And I'm going to walk you through that. And I'm saying that because I do very well believe that there will be people that will go back to the church, will go back to somewhere, and they will be listening to a message just like this. And I'm going to explain it. And for those of you that are here today, I'm going to explain it to you. Because we believe, as the Bible says, in the imminent return of Jesus Christ. I'm not saying that to scare you. I'm not saying that to shock you. I'm just saying that's what the Word of God says, that Jesus Christ could come back at any day, at any hour. We talked about last weekend, the only sign of a time that's arguably left to be fulfilled is that the Bible says, until the gospel is preached into all the world, and then the end shall come. But you have to understand that the disciples in the first century believed they would see Jesus come in their lifetime. 21 centuries since then, we're still believing that Jesus Christ could come back in any day or any hour. And so understand what I'm saying when I say that we believe that. And so these events, I'm just going to kind of walk you through what they are. And if you have your Bible, probably I'm going to be in Revelation more than any other book. But I'm going to be giving you scripture references all throughout the New Testament and the Old Testament. And if I go a little fast, uh, you can email me at Aaron at LifeChurchWI.com. Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at LifeChurchWI.com. That's just an email address that you can get some information and just we'll send you the outline with the scriptural references that that are there. Uh, But but I want to walk through this. The first event that will take place uh, will be the rapture of the church. The rapture. The church of Jesus Christ. Those of us that are Christ followers will be raptured. The Bible describes it this way in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, those who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds and meet the Lord in the, in the air, and so will they ever be with the Lord forever. So the rapture of the church is going to be the thing that's going to set off basically the end of time. That the church of Jesus Christ, the Bible says, those that are dead in Christ will rise first. So the grave, the earth itself, will give up their dead. That those that have died in faith. And then those of us that are alive will be caught up together in the air and we will be out of here. And so let me tell you this. You want to get the rapture. You understand what I'm saying? If you make the rapture, you're safe. Make the rapture, you're okay. You don't have to worry about it anymore, whatever. So the rapture is the goal. And whether by grave, you die in your faith, or, or by being alive and you're raptured, you're gone. So what that means is every Christ follower on the planet will be raptured. Every child that's under the age of accountability, which, which is the age in which children understand completely right from wrong. So probably arguably 10, 11, 12 years of age will be taken from this planet. And, and, and any, 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 any person, regardless of their age, that has a, a mental handicap or, or that's unable to be able to progress beyond what a... What a a child would be able to understand will be gone as well because they don't have the mental capacity to be able to go beyond that. And so God doesn't judge them because they have no ability to, to accept or reject Christ. That's what it's based upon. And so they're going to be raptured and we'll, we, we will be gone. Now, when this rapture takes place in the continuum of the end times is debatable. 
you have three theological thoughts. One is pre-trib, so before the tribulation. I'm going to talk about the tribulation in just a minute, but I just want to give a little talk to this, my, little, my theologians in the room. Mid-tribulation, middle of the tribulation, the rapture takes place, or post-tribulation. So pre-, mid-, or post-trib uh, mentalities. I believe in pre-trib for two reasons. Number one, if you want to stick around for, this, for the tribulation, go on with your bad self. I'm out because it's going to be bad. But number two, theologically speaking, that every time the Bible refers to the rapture of the church, it talks about that it will happen suddenly, quickly, like a thief in the night. There won't be anything surrounding it that will make it um, appear that would, 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 would be a prelude to it. It will just happen. When you're least expecting it, it will happen. And so for that and for other scripture, as I walk through, through scripture, I believe, in a, and we as a church believe in pre-tribulation, that, that, the church, that the rapture will be the very first thing. You may have some differences of opinion. You may have some theological, whatever. That's fine. We'll, we'll, we'll all understand it when it happens. But, but this is what we, what we believe. So then once, once the rapture of the church takes place, there's two tracks. There's something that's happening in heaven, something that's happening on earth. Let me talk to you about what's going to happen in heaven. What happens in heaven, the very next thing, is going to be the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ. And this is where Christians, Christ followers, that have been raptured, and if you make the rapture, you're safe, okay? It's going to make everybody be all fearful. Uh, will be judged in heaven based on what they did for the cause of Christ. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, Paul says it this way, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for things done in the body, here on earth, whether good or bad. Now, this isn't why not you get to go to heaven or hell. You've made it. You're going to heaven. But what this is, is that God will bring you before him and say, this is what I gave you to do. These were the talents that you had. This was the time that you had. This was the treasure that you had. And here's how you leveraged your time, your talent, and your treasure for the kingdom of God. And based upon how you leverage that, God, not man, not me, will judge you for that. And what I mean by judge you, he will reward you for that. Does that make sense? He'll reward you. And the Bible says you'll be given a crown of righteousness, and you'll also be given a job. You'll be given an assignment. You'll be, you, you will have a place, because the Bible says we'll come back to earth, and I'll talk about that in just a minute. We'll rule and reign with Jesus. So I think some people in this room might be cleaning somebody else's mansion. That's all I'm going to say. So I'm just saying that we're, there's, a, there's a deal where God says, here's what you did. And here's what I think we'll be surprised by. There'll be some people that have never preached a sermon, that have never written a book, that have that's never done anything that anybody else knew, but they gave their life with a reckless abandonment unto God. And on that day, they'll be rewarded. Great will be their reward. That's what the Bible says. So this isn't a day for superstar pastors and preachers, contrary to Mofair. This is going to be a day for the unsung hero, for people who said, here's what I did with my life, God. Here's what I did. This is what you asked me to do. And, and on that day... Um, I will be, as, you know, as, as a Christian, I will be judged, but I'll also stand in judgment before the Lord for every message and every word I've ever preached from this platform. Some people go, do you really understand the, the heaviness and the responsibility of this job? You have no idea. Because I won't just stand in judgment for me as a Christian. I will stand in judge for everything that I led you to do. The Bible says if you want to be an elder of the church, you've got to be careful. Because you're under a stricter judgment that you'll stand before God for. And so that's what happens. And the Bible says we'll receive a crown of righteousness. We'll receive our reward. Uh, basically, our, our mortal bodies will take on immortality. And that we will 
be with Jesus. Now, the second thing that happens is what's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. The marriage supper of the Lamb. And this is going to be good times. This is why you want to get to heaven. I'm just telling you. This is going to be full-on buffet, like creme de la creme, all top of the line. I'm being a little joking, but I am being honest. What's happening is is that the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the groom and the church of Jesus Christ is the bride of Christ. And so what happens is, is Jesus, the groom, and the church, the bride of Christ, is united together. The bride comes and there will be a marriage celebration, like how we would celebrate a marriage with a dinner. There'll be a marriage celebration. So uh, uh, we, we don't know exactly how long, but because we're basically there for seven years, uh, I have a feeling that I'm really praying for a very short judgment seat of Christ and a really long marriage supper of the Lamb. Mm-hmm. Come on. All right, so that's what's going to happen. And that's what's happening in heaven because we're rejoicing, because we've made it. Our, 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 our name's in the book of life, and we've made it. Now, what's happening on earth at the exact same time? It's called the tribulation. It's a seven-year tribulation. So it's a tribulation. And the Bible describes this in multiple places, but two places I want to give you. One is Matthew 24, verse 21. Jesus says... There will be a greater anguish than at, than at any time since the world began, and it will, be, it will never have been so great again. Daniel in the Old Testament describes it this way. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, there then, or then there will be a time of anguish greater than any since the nations first came into existence. Let me explain what's going to happen during this seven-year period. While we're in heaven celebrating good times, come on, on earth... Because of the rapture, it will throw this world into a total just chaos. Can you imagine? Planes crashing. Children missing. There are a billion people on this planet to be, that claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. That's arguably one-sixth to one-seventh of the world's population. Gone. Just gone. Houses. Churches. Can you imagine? I mean, 9-11 hit and the church attendance the following Sunday skyrocketed. I mean, unreal. We haven't seen church attendance like that in years in the church. So can you imagine when what's happening there happens on an epidemic proportion across the globe? And they've got graveyards that are just demolished because these beings, and I don't know how it will happen, but the Bible says that the earth will give up its dead. I mean, you're just talking about utter chaos. And in that, there will be an individual who's called the Antichrist. And he will present himself on the platform of the stage of the world. And he will bring complete, complete peace. The scripture references are, are were there on the screen that you can, you can see that these are, these are places where the Bible talks about the Antichrist, that he will do this. What he will do, he'll bring peace to the Middle East that's never been done before. He will bring unprecedented economic development and, and, and bring a, a, a total peace to this. And he'll create a seven-year treaty with Israel. And he will, in fact, according to, to Revelation chapter 11, he will rebuild the temple, the physical temple. Remember, the, the, the Jews believed that the Messiah would rebuild the temple. So when Jesus came and said, I will tear down the temple and in three days I'll rebuild it, they're thinking they're talk- he's talk- speaking of an earthly temple. Jesus was talking about his body, that he would be destroyed in the grave for three days and would raise again. And, and that God's kingdom was not just a physical kingdom, but was a spiritual kingdom. And so, so even from that point, from the time of Jesus until now, the Jews have been looking for someone who will come, who will be a Messiah, who will make peace with Israel, and who will lead the nation of Israel, and who will be the Messiah, the great Redeemer that God will send. And they will believe that it will be the Antichrist. 
And that he will come, he'll make a peace treaty, a seven-year peace treaty with Israel. He will establish Israel. He will establish a one-world government, a one-world economic system. He will, it will be unprecedented peace for three and a half years. You do realize that Israel today has in warehouses, they have the furniture completely assembled and completely ready for this temple to be built. That's crazy when you think about it. And this individual will establish themselves. And halfway through, three and a half years of that period, he will turn and reveal who he truly is. And when he does, he will break the peace with Israel. He will establish himself as the God. He'll also, he'll also, you'll also see the emergence of the false prophet. Now, the false prophet's the second person that you're going to see in the tribulation, found in Revelation chapter 13. The false prophet is Satan himself. And they will establish a, a, a statue, a, a, an idol to worship physically even in, in, the, in the temple there. Uh, but that everyone will have to bow down and worship the Antichrist. And then comes the third per- person that you're going to see in the tribulation. We're not going to see him because we're going to be raptured, amen. But those that are here is the mark of the beast, 666. And the mark of the beast will, 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 will come. And what will happen is you won't be able to buy and sell goods or services or do anything without that mark throughout the world. And if you refuse to take the mark of the beast, you will be tortured and, and, uh, and you will face tribulation unlike anything else. That's what Jesus was talking about, Daniel was talking about, and anguish like you've never seen. That's the reason why you hear me say, if you cannot serve God today before the rapture of the church, fat chance doing it after the, church, after, after the rapture. Because you've never, and I've never seen persecution like that. We've never seen anything like that. That's what the Bible says. That the, the heat will be turned up. It'll absolutely cost you your life or your family. They will find you. They will come after you. And I know it sounds like some sci-fi thriller that if I was preaching this message in the 1950s, it would sound very spiritual. But today we've seen so much on TV and movies. And I'm not against that, but I'm just saying that it just seems like it's, this is almost fiction. And it's not. It's the Bible. Read it. And so I'm giving you the scripture verses. And that's what will happen all the way through. And if you're listening to the sound of my voice and the rapture's taking place and these things are happening, watch the sequence of times. Three and a half False prophet, the mark of the beast, do not take the mark of the beast because you've surrendered yourself to the Antichrist and you're doomed. So that's what's happening. After that seven-year period, so you've had, you've had the judgment seat of Christ in heaven, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Here on earth, there's been three and a half years of unprecedented peace. The Antichrist reveals himself with the false prophet, the mark of the beast. Three and a half years of unreal turmoil and tribulation on this planet that we've never seen the likes of since the beginning of time. Jesus will say enough, and he along with the armies of heaven, which will be you and I that have been raptured, will come to this earth and, and will ensue the battle of Armageddon. That's the next big big deal. The battle of Armageddon found in Revelation chapter 19. And this is where, this is the second coming of Christ. When they talk about the second coming of Christ, this is it. The first coming is the rapture of the church. That's, I mean, when Jesus first came was when he came to the earth, what we celebrate at Christmas time. The rapture is not the second coming of Christ. The second coming of Christ is when Jesus himself, along with the armies of heaven, come and put to death the Antichrist, put to death the mark of the beast, and put the false prophet, Satan himself, in a bottomless pit. Look, look at Revelation chapter 19, verse number 11. And I, 
this is John the Revelator writing this. I saw the heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a blazing fire. On his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood. His name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following with him, riding on white horses, dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Skip on down to verse 19. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and the armies gathered together to make war against the rider on the horse and his army. But the beast was captured and with him the false prophet who performed the signs on his behalf. And with these signs he deluded those that were deceived, the mark of the beast, and they worshipped his image. And the two of them were thrown alive in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the battle of Armageddon, of Armageddon where Jesus comes and puts to death the Antichrist puts to death the mark of the beast and takes Satan and he throws him to, him to a bottomless pit for a thousand years. And where do you get the thousand years? Because it's the next big event that Revelation 20 talks about and that's the millennial reign of Christ. The millennial reign of Christ. Again, Revelation chapter 20 describes this in much detail. Where when Jesus comes back, he defeats the, the Antichrist. He puts Satan in the, in the bottomless pit for a thousand years. He will rule and reign on this earth and we with him for a thousand years. Now, here's where this is a little bit like you may have questions. Um, And you have to understand, John, uh, the disciple John, uh, is on the Isle of Patmos writing the book of Revelation under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. John is in the first century writing about events that are happening. If the rapture were to take place today, it would be the 21st century. If it happens in the 25th century, it would be 25 centuries later. Do you understand? So could you imagine 100 years ago trying to describe the internet and cars and airplanes? I mean, you, how, jet propulsion? I mean, you're, you're, you're limited because you don't understand it. I don't even understand electricity. I just know you flip the switch and it's on, right? Everybody with me? Okay. So John's trying to describe these things. So he's limited to somewhat of vocabulary, but he's telling us very, very, very unequivocally, these are things that are going to happen. And so this thousand year millennial reign of Christ, Jesus Christ will come to this earth and we with him destroy the works of the enemy and there will be unprecedented peace on the face of the planet because God will rule and reign this earth. This physical earth, which means you could come right back to this physical address. But remember, you're raptured. So you no longer are a mortal being, and you have a supernatural, what does that take on? I don't know. And the Bible does, gives us very limited description of that. But we are no longer, we no longer have the propensity to sin. We have, no longer have the ability to sin. But we will rule and reign this earth, which is very interesting. And, and so that will happen for a thousand years. At the end of that thousand years, then the Bible says that because that, during the thousand years, people will give their life to Christ. They'll surrender because there'll be people, humans on this planet, just like you and I are now, that will be marrying and giving and marrying and dying and, and babies being born. I mean, life will continue to happen. And there will be people that at the end of that thousand years that will, Jesus will release Satan for a short season, the Bible says. We don't know how long that is. It just says a short season. He'll be released. And there will be people that will return to Satan and go, I don't want Jesus. I want to follow Satan. It blows my mind, but it happens. And then at the end of that time will come the judgment. It's called the final judgment, Revelation chapter 20. The final judgment. Because what Jesus will do, he will completely destroy Satan forever. And then the Bible says that God himself will judge, not the Christian, but those who have rejected Christ, those who were not followers of Jesus Christ. He'll judge them. 
Look at it, Revelation chapter 20, verse number 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence. There was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. Books were open. Another book was open, the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done, recorded in the books. And the sea gave up their dead that were in it. And death and Hades, or hell, gave up the dead that were in them. And everyone judged according to what they had done. Then death and hell were thrown into the lake of fire. And the lake of fire is the second death. And all's names who were written, uh, who were not found written in the book of life, were thrown into the lake of fire. So what happens here is that God himself will judge humanity one at a time for why they didn't accept him. Again, you make the rapture safe. You give your life to Christ during the tribulation and you die in your faith, safe. But every person who rejects God's son, Jesus Christ, goes to hell. And you go, that's just kind of morbid. That's just kind of harsh. Yeah, it's the truth and reality. Because God didn't bring sin to the world. We, humanity, by our own choice, brought sin into the world. And with sin came sickness and death and disease. And God says, this is not the way I created this. I wanted to give man an option because I wanted man to love me because he chose to love me, not because he was some rock'em, sock'em robot that I was controlling with some heavenly joystick from the heavenlies. I wanted man to love me because he chose to love me. But with that, God had to give humanity a choice. And God said, you know what? I'm going to make a way of escape. God said, I will pay a debt that I, I will pay for a debt that I don't owe. And God gave his only son, Jesus Christ, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, have everlasting life. God didn't do that because he had to. God did that because he loved you and I. Not to condemn us, but to save us. And that's the reason why that, that, but the Bible says that by, faith, by grace that we're saved, through faith in Jesus Christ, and that not of ourselves, it's a gift of God, lest any of us should boast. So this is free gift of eternal life that God's given us. And all we have to do is accept that. But we have free choice and free moral choice. And so for those that reject it, they'll stand before God. Can you imagine? Think of every person that you might think of that's not a Christ follower. They'll stand before the throne of God. And they'll, 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 the Bible, that's when the Bible says, Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The problem is it's late, too late at that time. I mean, every celebrity, every world leader... Every person that's ever walked the face of the planet. Where will we be? We'll be in the, in the grandstand somewhere seeing this go on. Go on. Now I'm going to throw a little bit of, as I read and I study this, the Bible says that when we get to heaven, that there'll be no more sickness, no more party, no more sin, no more sorrow. So we will know people that are in heaven. We'll understand that. But anything that's been of, of, of sorrow or, any, or anything that's been of, of, of a negative nature will be wiped from our mind. And there's no way that we can understand the other side, the eternity that's left behind. Just follow me for a second. That there's no way we can, we, can, we can know that without sorrow. If a mother has a son, and the son rejects Christ and is left on earth, the mother's heart is broken if she knows of that. So, but when the mother goes in the rapture of the church, either by a grave or, or because she, she's alive, she goes to the rapture of the church, then what happens is, is that that remembrance of any child, of any, any, of any situation that, does, that exists here on this earth, it's gone. So on that day of judgment, 
That person knows what they've done. That's what the passage says, that they're, that they're coming before. They'll plead for their life. They'll say, but God, I did this. Remember, Jesus said there'll be a day of judgment and, and people will come before him. But God, I cast out devils in your name and I did this in your name and that in your name. And the Bible says, Jesus says that God will say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. They'll, they'll know everything, but God will say, done. And that son of that mother who's gone on to be with Jesus as he walks into that grandstand of the great white throne judgment, I believe will see his mother, but she won't see him because she won't know who he is. Because there's impossibility for a mother's heart to be broken in that way. Mom! Mom! It's me! Help me out! I missed it! I'm sorry! And it's too late. It's the great white throne judgment. You stand with every person that's ever walked the face of the planet and give, a, give an account to God why you rejected his gift in Jesus Christ. And then it's over. And the Bible says that the last event is the new heavens and the new earth, Revelation 21. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth. Sin, sickness, disease, Satan himself will be gone. Verse 21 of Revelation 21, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth that passed away and there was no longer any sea. goes on in verse 4 and verse 5 and says there's going to be no more suffering. Verse 3 says, And we'll live with God forever. And God will establish this new heaven and new earth. Now, I've given you a ton of information. And I think information without transformation is useless. I grew up in church and you knew more stuff that you didn't do anything with. So what do you do with this? A couple things. One, I think this as Christ followers should infuse us with hope. That we know that when we see of wars and rumors of wars and problems and situations and things and crises that are happening, that we know that our hope is in God and that we're secure. That's the blessed hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Listen to, listen to Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 14. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, to live life self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the rapture, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from wickedness, to purify for a people that we are his very own and eager to do what's good. We have hope. So if you follow Jesus Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, take hope. Be of good cheer. God's overcome the world. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Jesus' words are true, yes and amen, that you will overcome by the blood that Jesus Christ shed on the, on the cross and by the word of your testimony. Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart that Jesus is who the Bible says that he is, you will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from hell, saved from a lost eternity, and saved unto God. And so that's one thing it should do is encourage us, not scare us. Second thing is it gives us a contrast with the temporary and the eternal, which I think we need from time to time. Because we live in such a now world and such a temporal world that we think everything in our world is so real. And it is, and from a physical dimension. But this world is such a fleeting vapor. And let me tell you something, Christ follower Christian, we will stand, you will stand before God and give a judgment unto God. You'll be rewarded based on God's going to say, I gave you all this time, I gave you this talent, I gave you this treasure. And here's what you did with it. 
And the Bible says he won't do that in secret. He'll do that before everybody. I spoke to you about giving to this missionary. I, I, I spoke to you about doing this. I asked you to do this. I asked you to go here. I asked you to surrender yourself. And here's what you did. And so this should really get in our kitchen and rattle the pots and pans and go, am I doing all I can for Christ? Am I telling everybody about him? Am I living my life in such a way that it's not about the here and now, but it's about, it's about eternity? Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. It's just kind of a good old-fashioned gut check. The next thing it should do for us is remind us to hear the cries of the lost. When I talked about that mother not being able to hear her son because he'd been white from her mind, but the son standing there before the great white throne judgment screaming out, that gets you. Who in your life do you know that's not saved? than her relationship with Jesus Christ. I know this sounds old line, closed line, but I'm just telling you, it's true. If you knew the rapture of Jesus Christ was going to happen in 24 hours, who would you call? What conversation would you have? What's keeping you from that right now? Well, because what do you mean? It can happen any day or any time. I'm telling you. I'll never forget the funeral of my grandfather. My dad worked 30 years in a factory he always had that big leather billfold. Had all these papers, all this stuff. He kept everything. It was like his, I don't know, it was like his little personal briefcase or something. And he pulled out this scrap of paper. It was old. And my dad said, 25 years ago, pastor talked about believing for your family's salvation and people getting saved. And said, we should write down the names of those people. And every day we should pray for those people for their salvation. And he opened that piece of paper up. And on that piece of paper were the names of his brothers and his father. And he said, son, I've been praying over this piece of paper for 25 years. And everyone on this paper, they're home. I'm saying this to you today. What family member what friend, what neighbor do you know is far away from God? Do you have the diligence to write their name down and pray for them every single day? Sir, you go to work, you just put it in your billfold. Ma'am, you put it in your purse, you write in the leaflet of your Bible. Who cares if they find out? Who cares what they think? Eternity's at stake. And the last thing I'd say is this, you may be here today and far away from God. And you can today have assurance that heaven is your home and that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. The Bible says with our mouth we confess and our heart we believe. It's not about joining a church. It's not about being a member of a church. It's not about perfect attendance. It's not about even being perfect. It's because we're not. It's about accepting salvation that God gave through his son, Jesus Christ. Isaiah 55, verse 6 and 7 says it like this. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. And let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God for he will freely 
pardon. So you may be here today and you're far away from God. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray a prayer. That praying the prayer doesn't save you, but if you believe the prayer you're about to pray, you will be saved and you can have assurance that heaven is your home and that the rapture of the church will take place. That you'll go. That you'll be safe. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me today? All across this room, just out of reverence. You hear Dan, you say, Aaron, I, I, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to make sure that I'm right with the Lord. And, and, and I, I want to do that. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I'm going to ask you to do something pretty gutsy. Just lift up your hand. See, that's me. Will you pray for me? Thanks. Somebody else. Thanks. 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 Just up and back down. Thanks. 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 Just up and back down. Anybody else? Thanks. Anyone else? I'm not your judge, man. I'm just one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. But I'm telling you, this is God's word and it's the truth. Anyone else? Anyone else? Here's what I want us to do. I want us to pray this prayer together. And I'm going to ask those of you that have prayed this prayer before to lend your voice with those that are praying this prayer for the very first time. And if you believe the prayer that you're about to pray, the Bible says that the peace of God that passes all understanding that will rule and umpire your heart, it's going to flood your heart, and that you're going to have assurance based on God's word that you are right with God and that you're going to leave this place a follower of Jesus Christ. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart, to come into my life, and be my Lord and be my Savior today. I am a sinner. And I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me, wash me of all unrighteousness. I believe that you, Jesus, are who the Bible says you are. Son of God, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross for my sins, and rose again, just like the Bible says. Thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name, amen.